Well, hello everybody and uh, welcome to White Line Fever Kicks. And again, it's an audio only uh, episode this week. Uh, and before I introduce our guest, don't forget patreon.com forward slash white line fever. Our guest is the man behind the new, um, um, I guess, uh, semi-professional competition. He'll tell us if that's the best way to describe it in, in Canada, uh, which was just announced at the beginning yep. uh, of the week. Chris Coates. Chris, Chris how are you, mate? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. It's been it's been pretty hectic, but um, I'm glad we kind of got things uh, out of some of these covers now. Yeah, mate. Now you know what? There's there's some there's an obvious way to start this interview, right? And it's to say, who are you, and how did you become interested in Canadian rugby league, and who first came up with this idea? But you know what? I'm going to start somewhere different than that. I'm going to start right in the middle of the story and go back. Yeah. Can Can you tell me what the Ontario Cooperative Association is that is uh, in, going to be involved in in setting up setting up this league? Yeah, sure. So, so um, when we when we came up with the idea, uh, or when when the idea started kind of develop, uh, we wanted to, to make sure we were compliant from a regulatory perspective, and that we'd got all the right support in place to make sure this was a success. So we knew we were going to register within Ontario, and Ontario has a cooperative association. So we reached out to them pretty early in the day, really, um, and, and made sure that they were on board with the idea. And we did lots of kind of detailed presentations and talks around it. And the more they heard, the more they thought this was fantastic. Mm. And 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 so they've they've been fantastic with us uh, in kind of setting up and incorporating, and effectively making sure that we've we've got everything in place to grow sustainably. Yeah, yeah. So staying in the middle of the story before we go back to the, the start, um, how would a person? Become a member of the public, become an owner of this league. How 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 would that work in a practical sense? Yeah, sure. So so the idea is an organisation. So one one of the kind of major criticisms of uh, standard rugby league practice and, and professional sports in general is that obviously every club is their own organisation and they're all looking out for their bottom lines, uh, and that's that's drive negative behaviours if money becomes tight. Mm. Uh, instead of effectively leveraging more of a... What's, what's the word I want to look for? Altruistic. Better, <laughs> yeah, well, I guess, I guess well, altruistic is probably about right, but um, instead of leveraging each other's buying power, the, the ability to kind of spread costs and, and have scales of economy... Every club looking out for their own interests, and the problem with that is that it drives negative behaviour. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so we we kind of envisaged the idea that you know every club would be part of the same cooperative, and that they would be all under the same organisation. So, you'd have you know one set of payroll and, and one set of ticket office, and, and effectively that means that you have a consistent approach across every club you have a consistent approach across the entire organisation and you gain scales of money that you can't get elsewhere. And and obviously buying into this as, as fans, as as investors, is that, you know, you wouldn't just own one club, you wouldn't be a part of just one club, you'd have the entire league. So you'd invest in the, the benefit of the competition. So you'd invest in the league itself and every club. 
and you, 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 you want spot one club that's perfectly fine you can, you, you can mm. go and watch those games and you can buy their merchandise and you can still spot those clubs mm. but really what we're fundamentally looking for is the ability to grow the game itself and it's no good having one club that gets lots of investment and then you know two or three other clubs fall on hard times and struggle and look out for themselves it has to be about the growth of everybody yeah, yeah, okay. So now we can go back to the beginning. <laughs> um, you know, I think the list people who are listening can can tell that you're um, not Canadian, um, and yeah. I, I believe you're in your mid to late thirties, and you, you're you work in the IT industry in at a you know, very sophisticated level. You build supercomputers. How does someone yeah. like you, from where you're from, end up setting up a um, you know, a, a rugby league competition in, in Canada. How, how does how does that happen? It's, it's, it's a little bit of a crazy story. So uh, <laughs> where do I start? Um, I've I've always been involved with rugby league. I've, I've played around thirty years in total, roughly in the game. Um, involved in either watching or a playing capacity, or you know, coaching recently. And uh, most recently, I've obviously been coaching a community club, and I've been working with. Um, Lithuania as, the, mm. as their national coach mm. and um, I, I, I've, I've grown up with the game all my life and uh, you know I love it and my, my main problem with the game is that it seems to pride itself on being a secret mm. and, and especially in the UK it seems to pride itself on appealing to its existing fan base but the problem with that is that its existing fan base will get old mm. and we need to appeal outside of that and so this started probably around seven years ago or so. And uh, the idea was effectively just, if you could rip up the rule book and start again, if you could completely start fresh, how would you make rugby league grow in a more reliable way instead of kind of growing and shrinking, which is, seems to be the, the, I guess, the standard within rugby league circles in the UK in that we will grow and then we'll shrink and it's usually because we contract because we can't afford to keep running it mm. and we we can't really let clubs grow and shrink like that because all we're doing is we're turning off generations of fans so if we have a club that grows in you know in London and then that club effectively dies off then all we're doing is we're putting off a generation's worth of fans who will be burned by that situation mm. We've got to stop that. So the idea was, oh, purely the, the kind of split in my mind was, if you could start again, how would you do it? And I started looking around at ownership models. And, you know, we were looking at private ownerships and things like that. And then it kind of dawned on me that those ownership models work for those clubs, but not for the growth of the game, not for... Then I started looking at the most kind of resilient organisations around and you know, I kind of looked at the co-op bank in the UK and the fact that the co-op bank is able to buy a wide CSB as a perfect mm. And uh, so that, that kind of grew from that idea, which was, you know, a cooperative is a very resilient organisation. It's, it's much more resilient to market than any other kind of group. And because of that, the strength then gets passed on to its members. And then I started looking at, obviously, you know, what it means to its members. And then I started realising that there's 
a massive amount of brand loyalty when it comes to people who buy into something. They want to see it succeed. Mm. And I started working at BrewDog, which is in the UK as a, as a brewer, as a, as a model as well. And then we realised that people who buy shares in BrewDog are inclined to make BrewDog succeed, so they'll buy the product. Mm. And then we went, well, if that model works for, for beer and fans predominantly go to matches and buy beer and, and have a good time, why can't that work for sport? Mm. And then we realised that, you know, there was definitely something there. Mm. And and so what happened with this was um, I kind of thought about all this and then packed my mind because this has been kind of going in and out of my mind for around seven years. And each time I've, I've kind of added something extra to the idea and then I've packed it again because I've just thought, well, it's a nice idea, but it's only an idea. You know, it has to have what I would call the perfect storm of situation for, for that to happen. And then effectively the perfect storm arrived, which was, you know, for, for, for loads of reasons, Officer Toronto pulled out and effectively it kind of cut off, you know, nearly 10,000 plus fans from the game. And that whole situation of, you know, a club growing and then a club shrinking and cutting off a bunch of fans and burning them again was kind of playing out. And I thought, well, it doesn't have to play out that way. Why, why can't we now apply this model while we've got a fan base that wants to watch rugby league? We've got, you know, tons and tons of interest because the Wolfpack did a fantastic job about promoting the game. And so it's nearly like the perfect kind of voided model with a ready-made fan base with people who are interested in the product to deliver a brand new model. Mm. And, and so we went, well, I don't think we'll ever get a better time than doing this. And so I started reaching out to you know, people around the kind of Wolfpack environment to ask questions and, and, and see whether there was a possibility of putting this into place. And I kind of started talking to Sandy and Sandy's kind of really successful in what she does business-wise. And I, I've, I've always been kind of a big ideas kind of guy and I work with obviously supercomputers in the tech industry. But originally I started out with rugby and rugby was, at one point, rugby was wanting to be my, my career choice. And then I broke my neck in two places. Mm. And um, rugby, effectively, rugby was my was going to be my job and IT was my hobby. And it kind of flipped around and IT became my job and rugby became a hobby, mm. but really a passion. And mm. so, and I think there's, there's so many people in the game that end up like that, that we kind of, we lose to the game if that makes sense. Hmm. But I, I kind of stuck with it. And uh, so I got talking to Sandy and really off the back of the conversations that we started to have, we realised that we definitely got something. And uh, a speculative tweet kind of went out that was not entirely related to this and this is one of the reasons I reached out to Sandy was um, she kind of put this speculative tweet out as a concept app and all of a sudden she got 20 plus thousand interactions on Twitter for a tweet within about 12 hours mm. and we, we definitely knew there was, there was something there and then the more we talked about it the more we realised that there was definitely a plan that works and then we started reaching out to you know, other areas and other people and the more people we reached out to the more 
they were infused by the idea. And so, so it just kind of snowballed after that. So how... So, so the, you know, the six teams which you're going to play, um, um, you know, uh, from in, in two years' time, are, are you and Sandy personally going to recruit six coaches, six CEOs, um, you know... No, uh, no, 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 no. So, so I, I guess, I guess, <laughs> I, I probably have to be clear, there's, there's, there's just me and Sandy involved with this. Um, there, there, there's a group of, right now, seven people as a board, but obviously we, we've not announced everybody yet, and, and more, more news on that will come out of due course, really, because you know, there's, there's some great names on there. Mm. Um, but as, as we've grown progressively, the idea is that we've, we've dedicated roles to you know specific tasks like player recruitment, like coaching, like welfare, and we, we've got those roles pretty much really well covered. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, and have you already got investors? I mean, uh, you know, do you need big investors, or is it going to be just all sort of um, community based and all sort of fans and, and enthusiasts um, investing in this? So, so, so the idea was that this would effectively be a sixty forty model, and sixty percent of the model would be all fan owned, and mm. there'd be room for forty percent of you know private equity. Mm. And the, the reason for that is that you know we know have been burned previously by buying season tickets for things and then nothing coming to fruition. So we want to make sure that from a commercial standpoint that people can see money coming in the bank from a commercial investment perspective hmm. so that people know it's definitely going to happen. So when they do invest in money, they know that there's you know some substance behind it. And we've been talking with corporate financing and we've been talking with um, a community bonds issuer in order to kind of prove that there's money going into the account so that people have more confidence that this is definitely going to happen. Right. Okay, so you're going to play sort of a test season in, in the middle of uh, 2022, is that right? A short season. Six teams from yep. six teams from five provinces. Is that is that right? Yep. Yeah, right now, right now obviously, we've looked at other locations, but the idea is that the five provinces thing is really important because... For rugby league in Canada to be recognised as a national sport, um, the regulations are, you know, eventually 5,000 participants, and they don't have to all be, you know, just in a side competition. There could be nine, there could be touch. Eventually, 5,000 participants spread across the country hmm. and has to be played in five different provinces. So by us effectively proving that we've got side in five different provinces, we're kind of helping that that growth so that rugby league can be recognised by the sport calendar. Right. Okay. And I'll go back to the thing I said right at the start of the of our chat, which is, is this is this a professional league and how, you know, how can you have a professional league in a country where, as you pointed out in your press release, there's 350 amateurs currently, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so the idea of this is that it starts, there's a kind of progressive plan to this. And, you know, you, you can't drop, you know, a ton of professional players into a division and not be spending tons of money. Mm. And it's not sustainable to do that. Because you, you'd be a lost leader for years until you've got the fan base to support that, you know, that, that quality of player. And we, we kind of sat and looked at player pools and what was around. And I was, I was sat kind of watching really intently loads and loads of YouTube videos about 
about the players that are obviously already in Canada. And when we when I watched East versus West, there were some fantastic highlight moments, and there were some really fantastic plays. And I just kind of went, this was videoed on a camera, you know, and it was just it was a normal thing. If you, if you could add production values around that and give it a real platform, then people would watch it. And it wouldn't, it, it wasn't too far away from, you know, a decent quality game. And then if you add star power around those players, you know, you, you've got that kind of star power coaching effect where players will develop much faster if they're playing with other good players. So the idea was that with this idea was you, you create that and that pro model would be you know six pros or twelve pros because women are including this kind of entire plan uh, and you get pros that are experienced that know the game very well that are really enthusiastic about it and want to kind of help grow the game and they would come along and effectively captain all of those. Uh, community players that are based not just in you know rugby league but rugby union and you know crossover athletes, so we get a kind of a, a reasonably good player base. Yeah. And, and and because you do that, uh, it kind of went back to a, a coaching conference that Brian McDermott did for the USARL, and um, he was talking about how uh, the player development aspect uh, of rugby league, you know, the whole ten thousand hour rule that we talk about with skill acquisition can be kind of thrown out the window if you've got athletes that are good athletic people and that can just play many short games. And so, you know, we, 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 he finished the conversation with, you know, I'd love a situation where that could happen. And uh, that kind of stuck in my mind for quite a while and I just thought, well, why can't it happen? If, if you've got, you know, your, your community players who still know the game and they're still producing some good quality stuff, with experienced players and got them playing short and nines games, which is kind of exciting anyway, is in their own right, and they produce the highlight moments and they protect players, then those players will grow so much faster by playing so many more games in that environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and um, just a couple more things. I mean, obviously... You know, the people who were going to the Wolfpack um, games expect a certain match day experience. And I know Nines, Nines is great for a carnival atmosphere and for people having fun and they don't have to watch every single minute. You know what I mean? Um, so, so in, in, and I think you said you're going to do in Toronto first. You're going to, you're going to basically play the whole series in Toronto in, in 2022. So are you confident of being able to replicate that um, that atmosphere and that and that vibe at, at at Lamport and you know is all the the access to the venue is that an issue you know the rent and all that sort of stuff. So, so, so we we already kind of looked into all that uh, in great detail. Um, unfortunately, I've probably got a spreadsheet with about seventy different tabs um, of of costs and how we can do it. But we've reached out to the right people who pretty much delivered that Toronto experience in the first place. Mm. And and we've got them um, enthusiastic about the idea, and and we're, we're really confident we'll be able to deliver the same environment, the same game day experience, but in more of an IPL model. Mm. Mm. 
Mm. So, so, so you'd have those sides being represented, you know, for different provinces, and they'd all converge on Toronto because that's where there's a big fan base already. And there's, there's a big existing, you know, base of, of fans for that first event. Yeah, and we can create pro am. Then you move towards semi pro, and, and the idea is even with the pro am, players would get paid. Even even your community players would get paid because, you know, it's, it's a big ask to ask people to travel, you know, a fair distance. To just obviously come and converge on one place and play. So we want to prove that there's a professional environment for players to develop. And so season on season, the idea is that this would grow out and you'd effectively have two conferences, you know, an East and West, or two divisions really, because the conference itself is, is the entire, you know, championship. And you'd have an East versus West. Uh, and effectively, you'd have two separate divisions based on closest or location to reduce the distance they have to travel. And then. They would all converge in a playoffs environment in Toronto again for the end of the season, uh, and and the, that grows, you know, kind of in different areas. So you grow to Manitoba, you grow to you know Halifax, and you kind of grow your, your footprint as well. And um, we'll finish up with this. Um, we'll have a chat afterwards, but um, there seems to be a sort of groundswell of activity, um, which is not quite. It's it's not. You have a good relationship with the domestic governing body, which is really good. Uh, they're very small, but um, you know you've got the uh, California Rugby League, the Euro 13s, uh, Cleveland. Um, you know, and and there seems to be a, a groundswell of uh, supporters who are kind of sick of waiting for things to happen and are doing things themselves. Do you know, do, do you do you feel that there's a, a a bit of a kind of a a sea change happening in the game as a result of these sort of community led initiatives? Yeah, I think I think for me the the, the growth of the game as as it's it's become more important. The growth of the game has become significantly more important than who runs it. And people are beginning to realise that you now we're getting back to what I would effectively call you know where the game came from, which was the game was meant to be for everybody. You know, and it's and we're actually you know recompensing players for their time. But fundamentally, this was a game for everybody. And and we've kind of got away from that a little bit. And we've kind of made it a little bit inaccessible. And what we need to do is make it more accessible for everyone to play it and for everyone to be involved in it. And and by making it, you know, by the people, you know, and, and, and giving it back to everybody, I think that, that makes it unique in that, you know, there are loads of fan-owned organisations that actually have biggest amount you could ever hope to achieve. You know, you've got Green Bay in American football. They're owned by the fans. You've got Barcelona, who is actually cooperative, and they're owned by their fans. And you've got the Bundesliga, with you know 50% fan ownership requirement of each club. So, you know, and, and they're, they're, it's effectively giving a brand loyalty and a growth and giving it back to the people so they're so much more invested in it. Mm. And... You know, we pride ourselves, uh, the sport has always kind of tried to pride itself on being working class and being you know, down to work. So why not just give it back to the people? Mm. Can I ask I you... That's fundamentally where we're at with it. Can I ask you one more question? It's a kind of a pretty straightforward question. How much money do you need to raise to, to be able to carry this off in the middle of next year? How, what, what's your target? How much do you need to raise? Um, so, so obviously, I, I can't really discuss commercial, but we've got 
a very well-costed model. And uh, the model right now is we've got a definite figure in mind that I obviously can't tell you what that is right now. But we, it's, it's definitely achievable to, to hit year one, year two, year three. We've got effectively a five-year business plan written up right now that's fully costed. Yeah. Okay, Chris. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, thanks to the people who subscribed to RugbyLeagueHub.com Long Reads and who had the opportunity to read this interview several days before everyone else gets to hear it. Um, where can people go if they want to be a member and, and be and be a supporter of the competition? So, so uh, we've got obviously CHRL on Facebook and Twitter, and we've got CCCRL one at the moment on Instagram. And then the website, uh, which has uh, our sheet to sign up to a mailing list, is www.canadachamparel.com. Okay. Thanks, mate. Appreciate your time.